Hello and welcome to Come Out and Play, the D&D podcast that's all trans, all the time. My name is Benjamin, my pronouns are he, him, and I will be your DM for this campaign. My name is Moss, I use Z, them pronouns, and I'm playing Ember, who uses they, them pronouns. They are a human paladin of the singing flame. My name is Mel, I use they, them pronouns. I play Trick, who also uses they, them pronouns. Trick is a huge human warrior and Ember's elder sibling. My name is Haz, I use they, them pronouns, and I play Maynard, who uses he, him pronouns, and he is a skittish wizard. I'm Chris, I play Rill, and we both use he, him pronouns. Okay, so, last session, at long last, the party returned uh, to the city in which our adventures began and brought together the diamond they didn't yet have and the cleric, because it turned out real can't cast it. Uh, There was a certain amount of last minute arrangements, but culminating in uh, finally being able to raise Terpsichore from death. Uh, Terpsichore was, of course, a friend they lost some months ago by their terms, uh, longer by ours in uh, the uh, episode sequence, but who they lost on the road to the White Forest in the, f- in the, the first time they visited it. They had learned by then that Terpsichore was not an elf after all, but was in fact uh, from a small planet somewhere in the vicinity of Betelgeuse, or in this case, a phoenix. And therefore, it is not entirely a shock that in Resurrection, Tepsikuri has come back as a 40-foot bird made of living flame. However, the cleric you borrowed to cast the spell, the bishop in whose cathedral grounds you have cast the spell, and the increasing crowd of onlookers are all quite surprised. Um, And when we left off... uh, you had just had your reunion, um, and I think we're, we're moving into what-do-we-do-now territory. Uh, well, I think we need to get Tipsikri out of the um, city, possibly somewhere less flammable. Yeah, the, the grass under Tipsikri's feet is extremely dead, and the trees nearby are looking quite vulnerable. Well, Tipsikri can fly, right? Uh, hopefully they remember how. I, I can fly. Hey, I could fly before. Uh-huh. How long has it been since you've flown in this body? I... Um... A few years? I flap my wings experimentally, and possibly unwisely. Uh, your wings appear to be working fine. Uh, one of the trees is... Got a little smolder going on, though. Please try not to crash into any buildings on your way out. <laughs> um, I don't really know where in particular I'm going to go. And I mean, I want to be findable. Um, I don't think we're going to lose you. It's a big old world. I'll go, I'll tell you what, I'll go, um, I'll go hang out with those nice people up at, up at Hyderal. That's up in the mountains. Alright. And it's on the post Mountains seem less flammable. Generally. There were were certainly some rocky outcroppings up in those mountains that would be 
less immediately um, vulnerable to you, yes. Right, I can go perch on a high mountaintop and ponder ineffable truths. Real is keeping an eye on a net and seeing how she's reacting to this uh, theories being bandied about about where Tipsicker is going to go. Yeah, roll, roll me insight. Um, 22. Mm-hmm. So Annette is, is pulling some complicated faces, mm-hmm. um, but you're pretty sure they boil down to thinking about logistics rather than thinking about what she wants to do. Okay. Like, like follow Tupsikari rather than stay put where she is for now, um, and is just thinking about sort of how to get to wherever it is Tupsikari is going. How and, close and is, sort of is Hyderal from... Uh, Eisenbrook. It's it's about three days. It's the place you That's made what I your thought. first. It was only a couple of, couple of yeah. It was. It's probably. not not very far, and it's the same direction that you're going to be traveling for the first leg of your journey towards Kamadosh. Okay, good. I was going to say it's not very dangerous, but then that is not actually uh, <laughs> what we experienced. It was quite dangerous when we did it. Um, <laughs> but since we're heading that way, anyways, I think we'd better get out of here sooner rather than later, I think people might start to get a bit antsy about having a big flaming phoenix in their town. Oh, that's just profiling. (laughs) The nearest tree is like... (laughs) Got got some, some, some... some merrily leaping flames going on the on the on the leaves on the near side. <laughs> uh, the um the cleric that you borrowed to cast the the ritual is, is just tidying up the last of her stuff and uh, making ready to probably head over and help uh, do crowd control. Um, you haven't triggered a riot, but you have definitely triggered a, a large crowd of unplanned onlookers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's best that we start heading out now. I can open the side gate, Annette says. Fantastic. Tupsikiri, I'll meet you in Hyderal. Okay. Hyderal. I'll, uh... I guess I'll see you all in Hyderal. And then I bunch up my wings Mm -hmm. and take flight and, um, add in Ignan, confident that nobody speaks primordial. I'm going to get there so much faster than them. Maybe I'll visit that Odysseus prick. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then I leave the campaign. It is fortunate for the cathedral grounds that phoenixes are capable of vertical takeoff and landing. That's right. It's a VTOL phoenix. There's yeah, a peregrine yeah. falcons of the... Uh... They, the they, they, yes, they are. They're forty foot long. Uh, they are, and and Tupsikiri looks magnificent, just beating up into the early night darkness. I'm gonna say, just based on my knowledge of Tupsikiri, doing a circle of like the cathedral tower just to show off a little. Look at me, I'm very beautiful, <laughs> and flying off uh, in the direction of the mountains at what is uh, quite a rate because phoenixes have a large wingspan and can move quite fast. Mm-hmm. And uh, most of the onlookers are sufficiently occupied in, in watching this magnificent and enormous flaming bird 
that you can quietly slip out of the cathedral grounds through the side gate and not be there when more questions start being asked. Oh, it is possible. <laughs> it is possible that whatever goodwill you had garnered with the uh, local bishop may have been damaged by these proceedings. We paid several hundred gold for that diamond. It was good money, okay? And we took it outside, so his entire church didn't catch on fire. I, I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> Not as may, much as, as you these events will be remembered. Uh, should you should you be speaking to people in this city again? You may have attracted some notice. Whoops. Your actions may have, in future, some consequences. It's possible. Yeah, think. That's a later us problem. That's a, yeah, it's a future <laughs> party problem. Uh, Annette will um, lead you out to the gate and then uh, shut it behind you because she is going to uh, need to go and pack and uh, say goodbye to her uncle, uh, by which you garner that although he's not going to approve, he's not going to try to stop her leaving. So um, rather than slip away into the night, she is going to stay long enough to, you know, actually take her leave of her family uh, and then and then follow along because Hyderal is indeed not far. Um, so it's sort of up to you guys whether you want to hit the road um, or whether you want to stick around until morning and, and travel with Annette. I think it would be good to escort Annette at least part of the way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for the first, like, two and a half days, uh, you, your roads will run together. Yeah. And Annette will... And, unless you have anything else you want to do, um, Annette will come and meet you um, at the... Uh, there is a temple of Featherwind on the way out of the city, uh, which is a sort of combination traveler's hostelry and uh, meeting point, as well as temple. And that is the, the, the customary place if you were going to travel with someone to meet up with them first before leaving. So that is, that is where Annette will, will come and look for you in the morning. All right. And you can make your way... Uh, to Hyderal, or to well, you can be, yes, so you can you, you you can you are making your way, in fact, all the way over the mountains uh, to the ragged coast. And on previous trips along more or less this route, uh, you did encounter uh, Yana and her dogs and her little werewolf problem. Um, <laughs> but she lives in the city now, uh, so do the dogs. You also, on a previous trip over this mountain, encountered some bandits who wanted to charge you extremely unofficial tolls. R roll the... Roll the an intimidation check, just to see if they're going to try that again. I can't believe they're still here. I could roll that. Yeah, go for it. Yes, please roll that. Mine was <laughs> real bad. Ember hefts their... hefts Kindler... And raises an eyebrow, and that is a uh, fifteen plus three, so that's an eighteen. Okay, they they kind of eye you up, kind of give you the give you a look over, and then settle back down, and you know one of them cheerfully waves and says, "Don't mind us, we're just having a picnic." Hmm. That's what I thought. Yeah, you rolled low enough that they didn't run away into the trees, so you never saw them, but they're not going to try anything. All right. 
and a, a, another handful of days of easy, uh, a handful of days of travel through the mountains in in what's still reasonable weather. It's it's wet and cold up in the mountains. In that when it rains, it's not warm rain. It's less bad as you come down toward the coast because it is only early autumn. Um, you pass the town of gosh let me pull up it's been a while since we were in this part of the world oh i didn't say that on mike is where we got the tar cheese and the little trinkets for everything it is exactly where you, you got the tar cheese you've got i think a turtle that's right i'm trying to remember whether this is shell bay i don't think it is cause i think shell bay is further down the coast yeah shell bay is further down the coast yeah we'll pass that on our way down to Kemadash. you will this has been geography chat. <laughs> this has been geography <laughs> with uh, with come out and play. I can't remember what this town is called. Anyway, there's a town. You can... bridle. Sorry, bridle. Yeah, possibly. I've, I've like I've, I've literally found it. If you're going from Hyderabad to Shell Bay, you go via bridle. There we go. Okay, it's the one where if you go up along the trail to the north, you'll hit the edge of the world. It is. Yeah. So yes, you, you, you pass through and probably spend the night in the seaside town of, of Bridal. Uh, you have been to the market here. You do know that if you turn north from here, you will reach not just the end of the world, but those heavy chains leading off over the edge of the world, which did feature in one of the visions you had in the realm of Stonewalker. Since I, I think... Rill and Ember were the only ones who have actually been there at this point? Yes, I think so. Um, I mean, I guess unless Trick, you know, went there for some reason um, in their own travels. I think, yeah, I think Rill's going to turn to Ember and kind of go, we're pretty close by to um, to the chains where that big beetle thing came out and and we saw it in our visions. Do you think... We should visit it again. Maybe we'll find something new there this time. What do you think we could do? I mean, can't imagine any way that we have to get any new information. I mean, can you think about anything you saw while you were there that felt like it was connected? We saw those books, right? That was... Yeah, but we were... he went all the way out on the chain and disappeared. I mean, that's true. I don't know. It just seems like if you see something like that in a vision and you pass by it, it might be oh. worth a look. I am kind of curious. I mean, even if it's nothing, is it? I mean, put it up to the others. What do you how, think? How long of a travel is it? How how far out of our way is it? It's only like a day, right? Yes, um, it is like maybe three hours there and uh, obviously the same again back. It, it's a distance where the townsfolk uh, treat it as a place you can go on a day out and then get back. That's short enough. That's this... short enough of a time that I think it's worth it to visit. But I think we ought to be prepared for trouble just in case. Yes. Something comes back. Wasn't this the town where we got not not run out of town, 
but it's it is a town that you returned to from your day trip just covered in blood mm -hmm. yeah and that caused a degree of suspicion yeah yeah <laughs> they weren't quite run out but uh right it wasn't you were not run out because you were leaving anyway but there were people who <laughs> were, were very followed out of town right because you were covered in blood yeah there was a lot <laughs> and of it, blood it caused some concern <laughs> it was mostly ours uh as i recall it was mostly yours um i don't think anyone really no it doesn't matter quite closely <laughs> enough to know that <laughs> and we left a big giant beetle rhino um on the beach for them i guess so yeah okay so are you are you turning north or are you turning south towards Kamadosh? we are turning north i think all right okay just for timing wise Let's say that you are coming up uh, towards towards what is the edge of the world, the the sort of the because you live, of course, on a flat world. What other kind of world could there be? <laughs> and you are coming up to the the thin stretch of t perpetual twilight that rings the world, and which you know if you go into it, will rapidly fade into darkness and the void. And people who go more than about 20 feet into the twilight are really taking their lives in their hands because you start, you, you are taking a gamble as to whether you're going to come back or just disappear forever into whatever lies beyond. Trick has seen this, uh, seen this phenomenon often uh, during their patrols of the border guard uh, with sorry their patrols with the border guard in the white forest because the border in question is this twilight line at the edge of the world sometimes things come from the other side uh, they are almost never uh, natural or wholesome looking things they're often quite hostile that's why you have a border guard uh, sometimes they are more not necessarily familiar, but things more compatible with life as you know it. Um, the uh, Queen of the Forest, the Great Frost Dragon who rules up north, probably flew in over the edge. That's the general, the general guess as to where she came from. Oh. Although having said that, the White Forest is also known to be full of portals to, in particular, the Feywilds and the Shadowfell, and maybe she came through one of those. It's possible, but the Edge is a candidate for where she came from. Mm. I don't like that. No. And so, as you come up towards this, uh, the sun is setting in the west, and it is the western edge of the world that you're coming to, but there is a when you look out to the horizon from a distance, you see what we would regard as a normal sunset. But as you get close, it becomes difficult to focus on because there is this unbreachable twilight end to things. And right at the edge of the world, about 15, 20 feet before the twilight starts, there is a set of very heavy chains. Each link in these chains is about five feet across. There are three chains that have been anchored into the coast 
like into the the shallow cliffside, uh, which is only about ten feet high, and then they stretch off at a diagonal over the sea and into the twilight of the edge. One of these three chains, the anchor has uh, come loose through erosion, but the other two are still holding firm. And the beach beneath them is littered with bone and shell in broken up fragments, mainly where the tide has worked on them. But if you stop to look, they are often quite unfamiliar in color and shape and type. Plus, in this case, there is the few months old exoskeleton of a giant void beetle thing that you previously killed. Um, it is now hollowed out as the local fauna have uh, eaten the meat, but the shell has, uh, for the most part, defeated them, and uh, the uh, the moss and grass have not yet had time to grow entirely over it. So there is still some signs of your previous visit. That's a big sucker. It was not a fun fight. It was not. What, just the four of you? I can't imagine it was, no. I'm giving it a very professional eye. <laughs> to your professional eye, you would really have wanted pole arms to take this on, and you know they didn't have any, so yeah. Must have been yeah. tough. Hmm. Maynard, is this your first time seeing the edge of the world? Yes. It's... You know, I, I, I'm thinking about things that I genuinely didn't think about obviously i heard about the edge and the chains and sort of accepted them but what are they chained to that's a big question and what broke them well well this one looks like it's just been eroded over time must be a very long time Mm. but yeah i mean is it keeping us down or is it chaining us off or hmm I mean, I can understand entirely why that person walked out there with those books, because you just have to know. Someone has to know. You know? Exactly. I wish we had the time to figure that out, but I feel like we may have more important things to do. Well, unless... I know what I'm doing if I survive this. <laughs> May not? No, wait. Okay, never what? mind. I misinterpreted. <laughs> I thought that I was going to have to sit on you. <laughs> no, I, I know what we're doing is more important than my curiosity. When we were here last time, we did get up there and walk along them. Through a rock out there, <laughs> a whole nine yards you do as a uh, as a tourist. And then this thing showed up. Rel, was there anywhere in particular you wanted to look while we're here. Uh, Doc, do we remember from the vision if, um, which one of the chains they were walking on? Was it the broke, the the one that's fallen? Um, the one that's still up? Was there anything significant we can remember from there that would be different now? Uh, they would have been walking along the middle one. Um, all these chains, however, they do run in parallel, and there are cross links. So they 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 look to be going to the same place. Same place. Okay. I've got a question, which I might know the answer to. 
mm-hmm. um, I plausibly could know the answer to. Like, what happens if you try to like scry over the edge? Uh, roll me things of that nature. I could try. You would have a, but you you could try. Um, or someone could roll me an arcana. I can do that. Twenty-eight. Uh huh. If you scry within the twilight, you get the kind of view you would expect of you know the the bright reality of the world to one side and an increasing darkness to the other. If you use clairvoyance further out, because uh, it has a range of up to a mile, but if you use it out in the in the sort of full the full distance, you see nothing. Um, Depending on the skill of the magician, you might get a successful casting that seems to be at the very far edge of the twilight, at the point where it just before it becomes full dark, or it might fail as if you have uh, you have uh, magically designated a location that doesn't exist. Hmm. That that get you know you can magically get a view in the twilight but in the full dark pretty much what you get is that's not a place this is an invalid designation would we know if that's um different from like casting us you know doing something that would allow you to spy on like a different plane or is it just something about this is not letting us access it at all i don't know if that makes any sense (laughs) It doesn't tend, from from what you've read, because I don't think you've tried this yourself, Maynard, it's not as if the spell is being blocked. Um, So clairvoyance is the one that usually gets used for these experiments because it is the most suitable to the, the kind of viewing that you're trying to do. And the failure you get is as if you had named a place that does not exist. So... The way that spell works is you can, for instance, designate when you cast it, I want to put my viewing orb behind in the room behind this door. You don't have to have seen the room behind that door, but you can specify it as a an it's it's a sufficiently knowable space that you can describe yeah. it enough for the magic. If you try to put it too far out in the darkness, you get the same kind of failure that you would get if you said I want to look inside this chest and there was no chest. So if you tried to look at a fictional spot. Okay. I I relay this to the group and just say what I understand of what's out there and how magic works. It's just an invalid location. It's as far as magic is concerned and its boundaries, it doesn't exist. Because we can't see it and we don't know it. That's all there is to it, I'm afraid. There has to be something. I mean, that thing didn't come out of nowhere. Unless it did. Yes, but it, well, it came out of a place that we don't know exists. We, well, a place where the rules don't apply i suppose i hmm. i mean it could be like a, the dead god's realm 
maybe. We saw well, a lot of strange things there, but or seems something a lot more similar. Like the places where the dead gods' realms are breaking down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like those weird holes of nothingness. More like that, maybe. I shiver. Are we done with the sightseeing? Unless there's anything else you can think of to try looking further, I think well, we ought to get back on our route. The only thing I can think of is, you know, if we want to find more out about this person, we could could see if the town has any records of who visited. We don't really know how long ago it was. We don't know anything about them either. I think we've got a pretty good idea that it was a thousand years ago or whatever. Or more than that, whenever it was. Back in the time of the Prince of Hayes. That long ago, with as few details as we have, I don't think we'll be able to get any answers out of the town. Yeah. Well, yes, I, I suppose there's no centuries-old ledgers full of in-residents existing at this <laughs> point. <laughs> no, we don't even know what that person looked like, or even what race they were. At least I've seen it. Now I can... Just another thing to think about, I suppose. Yeah. Hmm. Well, let's get back on the trail then. I will take the time to um, flip it off before we leave. <laughs> I don't like I don't like hanging around the edge. It's not great. <laughs> it is, I would say, a little spooky. There's <laughs> the enemy. Okay, so you you are. I take it not walking out along the chains and taking what fate may bring you. No, mm. not now. Yeah. Not it seems today. like an unnecessary <laughs> risk. <laughs> okay, are you are you making camp here, or are you uh, trekking back into town for the inn? Doesn't really make any difference. I just want to know. Yeah, let's go stay at the inn. Why not? We have one, so might as well stay there. We still have essentially tremendous riches. Yeah, so basically, <laughs> you have plenty of money for a we nice can stretch to a travel lodge, <laughs> right? Like, you have enough money that even turning up at 10pm being like, hey, have you still got a vacancy? You're fine. You don't, you don't need to book ahead. You can afford it. Oh good, they don't remember us. Um, honestly, they probably do, because you don't get that many groups with drow in. I'm afraid you uh. just stand out. Uh, but you're not currently covered in blood. You're not causing problems. It's been enough. It's been a few months, so it's more of a sort of curiosity of you got into some kind of trouble. Probably someone did go up the coast and go, ah, I have found out the problem. I figured out what those guys were doing. They were fighting this void beetle. I guess that's why they were covered in blood. We can all relax. So you do not get run out of town. You are permitted to to get a room for the night and some belated dinner and uh, have a nice rest before uh, continuing your journey down the coast in the morning. And you know that you have got about a week's journey uh, between here and Kemadosh. And there are various small settlements uh, on the way. The traditional route is to follow the uh, coast road all the way to Shell Bay and then turn inland um, for about another day to reach Kemadosh. You do know that a little way off the coast road uh, is the orphanage for the dwarf children. Um, and their uh, their memorial is there as well. 
Um, I don't as f I don't think you currently have any unfinished business with them, but this should not stop you visiting if you wish to. It's just that I don't have anything to remind you that you were planning to do. Yeah. I don't think we have any reason to visit them. Didn't the Dwarfage set off for Hyderal? I did. Or am I getting them mixed up with some other group of dwarves? We don't know they, when they were going to do that, though. Right. Last you knew, they were in discussions with Hyderal, but moving a whole settlement worth of people oh, sure. might take more than a couple of months. Well, it's probably been yeah. more like my six. But yes, um, you, you don't know whether they all would have gone or whether they were going to have two places or mm. or exactly what their plans were. But there was them, and there was their elf grandma, and and Jim, the one who is now in a letter writing campaign with Reel's dad. Yes, although as you have not been uh, in the postal business for a while, uh, she might have had more difficulty sending her letters. But I'm sure she figured it out. She was resourceful. Hmm. Hmm. They go into town. They they sell things. So you know you can find somebody. <laughs> Figure it out. Okay. So you finish your journey. The downside of a coast road in the autumn is that when the tide comes in, it really comes in. And uh, there are a couple of, of nights in a row where you, you, you end up just sort of walking away from the sea until you can escape from the immediate wind and, and sea spray enough to want to camp. Uh, but you encounter no major difficulties, just a certain degree of uh, discomfort on the coast road. And after a week or so, you reach the uh, the surface entrance to Kemadosh. And have, those of you who've been here before uh, will remember that this winds down for at a shallow angle for quite a long way. This is a, a mile or two approach road, which has the explicit defensive purpose of anyone trying to attack you from the surface. That is a lot of pitch black tunnel in which to stop them before they get to your city. That's the, that's why drow cities tend to have these very long approaches. However, because you are coming with a drow from Kemadosh, uh, there, there, there is a guard at the uh, top of this entrance tunnel, um, but they do not have any concerns about you and uh, are happy to let you, let you proceed down. And you will also remember there is uh, a semi-permanent encampment in at the bottom of this long road before the gates of Kemadosh itself. Drow custom tends to be very restrictive on who can come inside the city proper. So many of the cities have this kind of just outside the walls a combination of merchants who have pitched up here to, while while things are while their papers are checked, merchants who have pitched up here because the trade is actually going to happen out here, and their drow customers will then return to the city with what they've purchased. Uh, some market stalls who cater to the visitors who who are in those circumstances, and people who are trying to go in but who are waiting to be essentially processed by immigration, which which can take. Um, Anywhere from a couple of days to a couple of months, depending on 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 your circumstances and who you've got to vouch for you. However, in your case, you have made plans in advance. You had a detour 
because you had to go all the way north to, well, you teleported, but you started off all the way north visiting Grisgard and have had a couple of weeks of travel down the length of the continent to finally return to Kemadosh. And the other half of your party with whom you came out of Stonewalker's Rail, that being Rill's mother Mila and her companions, have travelled here somewhat more directly by getting uh, a boat as far as Vanguard and then another one to Shell Bay and have only had a day or so journey over land. And they are camped up here waiting for you, um, as you were expecting. So with a little bit of, of searching around, uh, you can reunite with them. And uh, that will make it a lot easier for you to get through the gates into the city because you are returning uh, with some long-lost heroes. Mm -hmm. Of course, much easier still means it is going to take a couple of hours for everyone to agree that you can come into the city. As, as, as a matter of principle, <laughs> it mm -hmm. will take a little bit because you can't just have people thinking that they can just walk in and out. That would be terrible. I mean, this time we didn't show up with somebody who can just turn into a dragonborn whenever they feel like shape-shifting into one and causing trouble. So... Are you suggesting that Terpsichore's antics were troublesome? How could you? How could you say <laughs> such a thing about your poor, not-dead friend? <laughs> Listen, you're not supposed to speak ill of the dead. They didn't say anything about speaking ill of the resurrected. <laughs> <laughs> Whether by virtue of Terpsichore not being with you or Mila being with you, there is, of course, a certain amount of cultural of, of, of culturally required back and forth. And it's not for show. There is some genuine, are we going to let the, the other ones in? These people... Mila and her team, her squad, are from Kemadosh. Rill is from Kemadosh. These people, we can let them back in. These other three, are we going to let them in or not? And there's some genuine discussion about that. But it, it will come down to, on the basis of Rill vouching for you, Mila and her squad vouching for you. And in particular, vouching that you were... um you were significantly involved, like you were necessary to bringing them home again, they will let you in. This time. Don't, 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 don't take this as a free pass to come in whenever you want, but, but today you can come in. And Mila, obviously, uh, Mila and her squad have not been here for a long time, but the streets of your hometown are not something you easily forget. And they, they know where they're going. I would say they have a certain degree of discomfort about splitting up, just because they haven't done that in a very long time. Mm -hmm. But they do all want to go to their own old homes, their own families, and have those reunions. Um, so they will just inside the gates um, take take their leave of each other for the time being um, even not understanding their language you don't think they're going to stay split up for very long um, but for now they are going to to break into to, to into uh, probably pairs because two of them are siblings anyway um, 
and and go on their separate journeys, leaving Mila with you, Rill, and your friends uh, to go and find Vaughn. Um, yeah. While they're walking through town um, and sort of seeing everybody off, um, mm -hmm. Rill is, is sort of pointing out the various um, you know areas of interest, I suppose, for the rest of the party and translating when he can, when it's appropriate to, since I don't think anybody else knows uh, Undercommon in the party. No, I, I don't don't believe so. Categorically and, not. Yeah. For those who haven't been here before, um, Kemadosh reminds you in an odd way of the elven settlements you've seen. You've seen dwarven architecture, which is sort of carved, and so is most of what you saw um, down on the underside, where they'd built into the rock. They had dug into the rock to make space for themselves. Kemadosh is built in a, a layer of volcanic rock that is full of bubbles. It's sort of almost a rocky foam, but bubbles of various sizes, sometimes agglomerated into larger spaces, sometimes um, just barely knocked through. And wherever possible, the drow who built this city have built it within the existing spaces of the rock rather than make structural changes to it. They have decorated, they have smoothed off floors, they have sometimes broken through a thin wall to add another another room or another, you know, another street to branch off the first. But in the same way as the surface elves will build tree houses rather than felling the trees, these underground elves have built into the existing structure of the rock rather than dig through it to make something squared off and sensible. So Kemadosh is a warren. It is a labyrinth. It is so easy to get lost here because there are no sightlines, even besides being underground and therefore never being able to look over the roofs and see what's over there. There is probably not a street in Kemadosh that runs straight for more than about 100 meters. There's weird angles. There's parts of the street that have multi-level areas, so it runs up a staircase and there's a gallery running alongside the street with more doors off it. There are quite a number of windows that have been carved into the rock, as well as doors. People like to be able to see out. But it is, it is a city of many corners, and around every corner there is a new place to get lost. You are glad to have local guides in the form of Rill and Mila. Yeah, and there's not much to show off. It's not a tourist town by any stretch of the event. It's very much anti-tourist, actually. Um, it's true. But, you know, there is the, the interesting shops and lots of temples and things like that, you know, and feels yeah, very lot, familiar Lots of with temples, um, lots of, uh, there, there is the, lo the, the local custom is to carve um, like the, not 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 so much the names of the residents, but the house of the residents over any any residential home. So as you're walking along, you can point out that that is the start of a complex belonging to one of the major families, or that shop 
has got a has has got a, a a crest on it that that tells you who owns it ultimately. It's a little a little cultural lesson for those of you not familiar with the the ways of Drow society. And the more you hear, the more you realise how unusual real is to just wander off onto the surface and go on adventures. It's not not a thing they often do. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also the college, which there is, is also the college. possibly the largest building in the entire town. If you could, if you could lay them all out and see them all and compare them, it would be. But because of the the way Kemadosh is built into the hollows of the rock, that's something you only really pick up on when you've been here a while and realize how many doors there are to the college scattered around the town and that many of them actually connect up. They're not just separate buildings all owned by the college. Many of those doors go to the same complex behind the scenes and it's this grand and sprawling entity that permeates most of the city. Hmm. Because, as becomes clear, Kemadosh and Drow society in general is a majocracy. It's the wizards who run the place. So you're saying that this is a metropolitan university? <laughs> <laughs> and Thorne spends a lot of his time within the college working. Um, but due to the arcane technology of ascending spell, you could always call him to come out and come home. It's up to you. Uh, how you wish to um, logistically manage this reunion? Probably not in public at the college. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think uh, anybody involved would appreciate I'm sure Vorin has a very nice office and what have you, um, somewhere tucked away in here. You have but... spent many hours uh, in his office, um, either being babysat when you were smaller or just, you know, visiting as an adult. Uh, but that seems like nobody in this situation would appreciate that quite as much as having the reunion at home. Um, so I think Rill will um, cast Ascending to let Vorn know that they are uh, they, they managed to get into town mm-hmm. um, now, eventually. He probably you know, cast Ascending earlier when they actually got outside and then you know, updated him when they got inside. Um, they'd pass by the college, and then I think they would um, head home and find Vorn waiting for them. Mm-hmm. And and Rill and, and his family live in a fairly nice part of town, pretty close to one of the you know the, the most helpfully relevant college entrance for for where Vorn works, um, built in into one. Sorry. So, Rill and his family, although there is presumably a greater complex of the Dotral house elsewhere in the city, um, Vaughn likes to live close to his work. So, you have a, a little residence of your own nearer to the college, um, which is built primarily into a large bubble in the rock. Um, which has been divided into two levels that are the main living space and then some smaller rooms off that of uh, which are their own rocky chambers um, 
one of which is is a pantry you've got you know spaces like that and, and a couple of, of rooms that you use as bedrooms um, it's all quite nicely appointed not i would say fashionable although only Rill and Mila have any chance of picking up on that, but it's... Yeah. I, Vaughn is just not a person who has updated his decor in a while. <laughs> it's all cosy, rather than... Uh... Right, yeah. It's cosy. It's cosy rather than chic. A gentleman scholar. Very much so, yes. In his terribly humble little, uh, little place, by his research department and so on and so forth. Yes. Yeah, like worn leather armchairs, but fundamentally still leather armchairs that of the likes that poor people don't actually have. Yes. Uh, and he is waiting, ready to, to open the door to you and wrap his arms around Mila. Um, and they, they murmur to each other in undercommon for, for a minute or two, just holding each other like that um, before they reluctantly split apart and then Vaughn wraps Rill up in a similar similarly close hug um, and says I am so proud of you thank you I, I'm certainly glad to be wrong about, about what happened and glad we could get everybody home safe and these are your... sorry yes uh Yes, um, you've met Ember uh, before. Um, Ember gives a little wave. That's Maynard, and, and that's Trick. And Rill will sort of translate for everybody. Hello. Uh, this is my father, Vaughn. Uh, Vaughn will uh, bow to the three of you in a very formal way and says, please give them my thanks and, and Tell them I, I am in their debt. And Rill does so, of course. Ember uh, is fighting back tears, because it's just so touching. <laughs> Vaughn has actually made use of the time that you were trying to get through immigration control um, to arrange a meal. Um, so you are all invited to, to, to um, sit down and share in a, a you know, it's probably not actually, this is not a putting on a formal feast. This is, we're having a family reunion and also my son's friends are here. I will get a big takeaway. I was just thinking that, and like, and like how a second, we have this deeply urbanized culture. <laughs> yes. Like, th this is in little, um, like there, there are, I mean, they're, they're, it's probably not paper as in wood pulp but this mm. is I, I went to one of the local eateries and I got a bunch of food and I brought it home and I got the banquet C for six yes absolutely everything is just a little greasier than you would make it for yourself it's great <laughs> that's part of the Perfect. joy we have, we have used advanced magical techniques to refine out this substance from from things such as sun-dried tomatoes and mushrooms, what do we call it? We call it monosodium glutamate, and it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, those of you from the surface, uh, there is, you know, this is not quite the food you're familiar with. There's basically no bread or bread-like product. Um, this is a rice-based mm. culture. 
Um, there's a lot of mushrooms. Mm, in mushrooms. more, you know, a lot of things that have been processed from mushrooms, and there's a lot of pickled or fermented stuff. Um, there are probably some things that aren't quite to your taste, but that that you you can get along. I feel I feel like this is I feel like Trick is kind of okay with a lot of this. It feels basically all right. I love that Mediterranean was a step too far, but drow food is fine. Oh well, Mediterranean is ridiculous. There's nothing. There's nothing rice about. It's just <laughs> mushrooms. It's just mushrooms, basically. It's basically just mushrooms <laughs> and pickles. Who doesn't like a pickle? <laughs> also, to be clear, also this is food prepared by people who didn't probably like season it with wickedness and murdered gods they follow the right gods that's right they follow the right gods and they're intensely parochial i mean i'm right (laughs) it's fair yeah all drow follow the right gods and don't like outsiders and what could be more grisgard than that (laughs) (laughs) thinking about getting a summer home in um in (laughs) kemenosh Real will ask about um about fuck uh oh my god what is his Are fiance? You forgotten your fiance's name? Yes, he, no, he, would, he definitely remembers his fiance's name. Uh... <laughs> I I also remember her name, and I'm not at this moment looking it up. <laughs> Through my notes, no. I just like to ask after my fiance, whose name I definitely remember. Yes. Name, definitely and I just want to know if you remember, remember it. Silas. Yes, Silas. <laughs> <laughs> um, Real will ask after Silas um, to see if Vorn uh, knows where she is today. Uh, um, Silas. Oh, yeah. I I wrote. I sent her a note to say that you were probably be here in the next day or two. Um, I hope you stay long enough to, to see her because, of course, circumstances have just changed. We're going to need to renegotiate the whole or at least re-agree on everything. Um, so I, I hope that she will drop by and and, and visit. But if not, uh, she she's in the city. She's doing fine. She's been uh, reviewing the the uh, She's been reviewing some of the uh, older, the older construction, uh, hmm. on the north side, so she shouldn't be far away. Oh, good. Okay. Um, you could well, always send to her. I, I could. Um, <laughs> yeah. If she doesn't, if she doesn't come by by the time dinner dinner is done, I think I'll go and find her and um, show everyone else the sights of the city for a little while. There is there is agreement from from your parents that that is a great idea, um, partly because they really want to have some private time to catch up. Yeah, yeah. Rill's like, let's get everybody out of the house for a while, <laughs> right. and... <laughs> and you being there would not be a hindrance. But lovely as your friends are, they are strangers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yes, I think after I think there is. Some gentle encouragement that that is a great idea, and you should you should go and, and find Silas and maybe maybe send her a sending and, and agree to meet her somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he'll um he'll send her a sending. I suppose um you know what, real wants to show the college off to the party, so 
Um, how about we set it up there? Okay. Um, there's a... One of the main entrances to the college um, is a, a popular landmark because it has a big fountain in the, in the square that the sort of the public side of the square um, that makes a good meeting place. So you arrange with Silas to to meet up there, um, and she's quite happy to to come and meet you. Uh, she says, "Give her ten minutes to finish her dinner, and then she will set off," which will give you guys time and you won't be waiting uh too long um probably 15 20 minutes in the end for you all to converge um and silas is a a young drow um with long white hair worn in in complicated braids in a very only rill is really familiar with the local fashions but the rest of you still get the impression of this is a person of reasonable wealth and status comparable to Rill. Um, there's a certain amount of effort and formality in her dress that suggests she, she has some, some social standing to maintain through properly presenting herself. And in contrast to Vaughn, who just wrapped Rill up in a hug, um, Silas makes a, a shallower and less formal bow, um, and then just and and smiles and says, "It's it's been a little while. Welcome back." It has been a little while. Uh, we've been uh, traveling all over the place, and I'm glad to be uh, good to be home again. So Vaughn told me he said that you'd been in other planes. Yes, that's a long story. Um, Interesting one, though, and um, they were all there with me. And well, uh, he'll, you know, introduce, go through a round of introductions with everybody again. Uh, I this... would. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. I would love to take the temperature on um on on this on the reception that um Cyrus is is giving him. Yeah, yeah. Roll, roll me an insight check. Her errant fiance. <laughs> Okay. What's clear to you is that this is not a love match. Mm -hmm. But in a very similar way to half of the marriages in Grisgard are not love matches. It's that combination of a family alliance and a business arrangement. And people pair up with people they like. And mm. you try to make sure that everyone gets along. But there's a lot, there's a lot riding on a marriage. Besides, are you in love? Mm -hmm. This feels familiar on that level. This Silas does not seem like she's in love with Rill. Rill does not seem like he's in love with Silas. Neither of them seem to resent this fact. Yeah, yeah. Not what they are expecting from this relationship. I was, I was mostly trying to take a temperature on exactly how. Um, How she know. was dealing with him finally coming, <laughs> finally back showing home. his face again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> After months, right? Yes. Um, as with Vaughn, actually, you're getting that vibe of kind of hoping that he's going to come back and stay now. Mm. That 
Well. Okay, you've done your adventuring. Here you are. That's great. I'm glad you're back. It would be great if you stayed. Yeah, she's not angry with Rill by any means. There is perhaps some impatience with the gallivanting. But she yeah. is polite and charming to all of you. Mm-hmm. And happy to help Rill like, sh- show you around? Is that what we're, what we're planning? Yeah. Yes, um, that is show off the college, um, some of the temples. Uh, stay out of the house for a little while, um, mostly. Oh yes, <laughs> giving giving real my most avuncular vibes. <laughs> Just encouraging as well. I guess it's good. I don't know what that means. Oh, avuncular is in the manner of an uncle. In the manner of an uncle. What? <laughs> <laughs> I just mean, mean, you know, encouraging, like, yes, good. Now make nice. (laughs) Be nice to this. Be nice to this. I believe it's been established that Silas doesn't understand, like, doesn't know a lick of common, or can't speak common at least. Yeah, I don't think she does. I think this this party now has a a a language barrier again. Again, <laughs> I wasn't. I, I I'm just, you know, I'm just, you know, giving you, giving you, giving you encouraging smiles and nods and like, yes, that's good. Keep being sociable. <laughs> just automatically, um, slipping into. You're, you're just chaperoning two young people. <laughs> exactly. It's nice. It's familiar. I think Rill is going to try and get the the trio of humans sort of involved in something at the college. You know, there's a huge library. <laughs> there's probably several different sections of the library for specific um, oh, absolutely. research, it, you know, It, it covers multiple levels. It has, it has sections in more or less all the languages of the disc. If nothing uh, else, Rill can count on Maynard to, like, <laughs> strong arm trick an ember into carrying his books around or something. <laughs> Like, oh, real has faith well. in, his, in his party members. Well, I mean, I wouldn't ask them to carry the books, but I can definitely strong iron them into thinking it's a good idea because I wouldn't shut up about it. And be like, the only way you can get me shut up is if you go with me. <laughs> Listen, if Maynard has to carry the pile of books and they collapse on him, we're never going to find him again. <laughs> <laughs> Ember is more than happy to heft around some books. Uh, are, are you are you like researching or are you just rolling in piles of books? <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine that this library is so extensive that it has things that we haven't been able to find anywhere else. But I suppose well, if we're we here are... to look at uh, God realms, quite nice. I like that idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would I would assume that you are focusing on dead gods. Yes. yes. Um, in the hundred years since the war, um, there has been a degree of rearrangement in the religious section of the library. So Dead Gods is pretty much its own section now. It's, it's been divided up into the two pantheons and, and the no longer extant gods in their own set of shelves. There is much, much more on the deceased drow gods than... Um, any of the 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 pantheons were not as rigid as before, but the the more generally worshipped gods, or those who were pretty specific to other cultures, 
there is some material on all of them here, but much more on those who were worshipped primarily by the drow. Um, so my understanding is that in, unless you tell me that you've decided to, to, to go into theology, I'm assuming that you're looking for information on, on uh, travel to those realms. Yes. Travel and um, you know, extant temples of dead, do- get dead gods that you know, might still be accessible. Okay. Uh, roll me an investigation check. Yeah. Mm, 13. Okay. Um, you're, you're being slowed down by the language barrier, basically. Because although you can cast Comprehend Languages on yourself, um, that still leaves your assistance with more difficulty, and Silas can help read the books, but then she can't translate. So you and Rill are having to do most of the legwork on, on translation. It slows you down a bit. Um, so the let me just make sure I'm getting this list right, because obviously I do not wish to lie to you, or at least only on purpose. That's the file I want. So the majority of information here um, is on the Whisperer, the Scribe, and that which waits, which are the no longer extant drow deities. Um, And you can reasonably easily find information on their their major temples. Uh, That which waits, um, the, the primary temple to them was on the other side of the world, not in the sense of underneath, but in the sense of far to the east in Triple Braid country, um, there is a, a ridge of very high, very steep mountains um, that, that, that uh, runs through Triple Braid lands. And there is a significant drow population living under those mountains. Uh, there's more than one city. Um, and then the the center of worship for that which waits is all the way over there on the eastern side of the world, long way away. Um, the scribe's primary temple um, is on Glaver Major, which is the northeastern continent. It's less less of a of a difficulty, but still still a lot of travel. Um, and and the whisperer, unfortunately, you know, none of the temples to these deceased gods are easy to get to um partly because just being a drow doesn't necessarily make it easy to get into a city that isn't yours um however what you do discover having not exactly written those off but discovered those to be less promising than you might have hoped um what is in your part of the world is there was a significant temple to the merciful dark. Yes! <laughs> Good! <laughs> At the westernmost point of the world, but it is deep underground, and the priests there were primarily drow. There, there are drow... It, it falls under the aegis of a drow settlement, although it is a, a little way off through the underdark. Um... Why can't I find the map? The map has the name of the place. Sorry. You would think I would get better at this, but I haven't yet. So this is clearly just <laughs> how it goes. So I never have my information to hand. 
Which part of the world was it in? Far west. So there is a there is a major temple to the merciful dark, which is is managed by drow clerics from Farazrat, um, which is in the Sunset Islands, which it. is an okay. archipelago of islands in the far west. Um, but that is actually fairly close to where you are. You are towards the western edge of the world. Um, yeah, I mean, we could get to get a ship from Islegate? Yes. Absolutely, you could. Don't know anything about that place. Rill and, and Silas, at least, would know that it's, it's a port city. Probably never been there, but you know it to be a port city that does a fair amount of trade with the Sunset Islands. Um, there is, beneath the Sunset Islands, an open and well-connected area of the Underdark in which the city of Farazret has been built. And the priests there have traditionally also been caretakers of the Waters of Rest, which, when you come across the name, some of you at least will, will have heard of this as a religious site, in the same way that you've heard of the spire in the center of the world. The Waters of Rest are an underground lake that carries on across the edge of the world. Mm. And for the people who can afford it in the Sunset Isles generally, and in particular for the Drow of Farazrat, um, it's a funeral site. They practice a, a form of boat burial where the deceased are placed on a raft which is rowed out to the edge of that lake and allowed to float further over the edge of the world. What is not, what has not made its way into this more popular understanding is that there is a portal to the god realm of the merciful dark at that spot, which is why that funeral custom arose. You can essentially pass the deceased into the hands of the god of death, into the next world directly, bodily. That portal probably is still there. No. What do you mean There's... <laughs> There's, uh... No, I was like, um... Getting ahead of myself, but you, you know, you know, like... There's very little use for, like, that spell that makes you appear dead. I'm thinking yeah. about <laughs> it. <laughs> I think there's gotta be an easier way. <laughs> I know, but I just... That would be very cool. Maynard has five thoughts on all at once, and all that comes out of his mouth is no. We're all looking at this book. <laughs> <laughs> this is very cool. I don't. I mean, uh, as I understand it, the draw cities don't um, allow teleportation circles in their cities, right? They definitely have a teleportation network. They will definitely not let you into it. Yeah, yeah. I thought not. Yeah, they have an interconnected one, not a right. They they have their own teleportation network. Thank you. They are not hooked up to the wider public transport of the overworld. Mm -hmm. 
they're not interested in letting surface trains on their pristine drow tracks. Well, <laughs> if there was one, could we? But we would not be allowed to use the one here to go there. You would not be allowed to learn the sigils so that you could ever teleport back to it. Whether you could... It would probably take not so much fees as bribes. <laughs> it's not out of the question that you could persuade someone who has legitimate access to the teleportation network to send you as passengers without revealing the symbols to you, which is easily done by putting a cover on the receiving circle, which is a fairly common practice. Um, it probably will be it'll probably be a lot of bribes. It would certainly be more expensive than just going to the Sunset Islands on a boat, but it would also be a lot faster. Yeah, I mean... And Rill does have some contacts here, you know. Mm. Rill's Mother is a returning hero. Rill's father works for the college. Um, Silas has some kind of, you know, well, if a, a well-to-do and connected family of some kind. Well, if that's if that's our, you know, our way in, because I do not think, because I think that the two things that this party is not rich in is money and charisma. So. After we finish up at the, the library, we'll just talk to Rill about it. Hurtful, but true, I, I suppose. So you finish up in the library, and you, let's say you are, you're taking a walk to, um, there's a nearby temple of the scribe, uh, which it, it, you, you discover in conversation, Silas's father actually is the caretaker of this temple, although he will have gone home for the night. Um, but she's still familiar with it and, and is, is happy to sort of show you around as a, an example of, you know, here is a cultural site that we can explore that no one's going to mind that we're exploring. It, it is out of the crowds and as good a spot as any to make your plans. Um, and I think, just based on time, um, we'll we resume there next session as you uh, as you make your plans as to how to get to your your next location. Sounds good. Sounds good. Come out and play is a real play podcast project. All trans, all the time. You can find us at CAOPcast on Patreon and on Twitter, and at our website, comeoutandplay.games. If you're trans or non-binary and you'd like to get involved, drop us a line. And as always, if you enjoy our show, share it with your friends, and if you don't enjoy our show, share it with your enemies. Word of mouth is how a project like this gets attention, and we just love attention. Just like sat in, just, just, like, just like sat at that dinner table, just like... Just like on the one hand, you're clearly, you're clearly, you're clearly at least sort of posh. On the other hand, like you're having a dinner with import with important guests, like a big homecoming dinner, and there's like nobody here. It's like you're like cotars or something, and you've got where 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 are the children? What's wrong? <laughs> What's wrong with your family? Yeah, that's in a couple of days when she could get, you know, gussied up for it and. Yeah, Rill has so many like for a drow, can be and a large <laughs> extended family. 
Yeah, that like you just so, live in different estates and, and there's a whole clan. There is there is a family compounds with it that they all put on the like the proper big welcome home dinner. This is just the you got back half an hour ago from from space. So <laughs> 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 like, pretty we're much. gonna let her have a bath first. 